Among the most astonishing, even confusing, perhaps, of Jesus' parables is the one we have read today, the story often called the prodigal son. I must confess that in Sunday school, I had a hard time believing it was true. Piano lessons offered a contrary experience. And as I grew older, I found the story of the prodigal son still perplexing. In divinity school, I once took a class about leading Bible studies, and in a memorable session, we were required to act out the parable of the prodigal son. Each member of the class was given a part to play. The class, all aspiring ministers, had more than a few hams in it, and so the party thrown by the father became a rather loud and raucous affair. Wine and food were aplenty. Song and laughter ruled. The party was a carnival of gluttony and hedonism. And then, of course, the party pooper showed up. The most humorless, aspiring minister in the class was given the role of the elder brother. <laughs> Scowling, sulking, lower lips sticking out, he whined that it wasn't fair. He threw his arms around in disgust. He sputtered his words. After all, he had been the one who had done what he was supposed to, and he got no party. But his younger brother, who had squandered a fortune, got a banquet. Had everyone gone crazy, he wondered aloud. What happened to common decency, and why was he left to work in the field while debauchery was rewarded with a feast? The wind came out of our role-playing party. We all actually agreed with him. The father said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. But the older son remained unmoved as far as we can tell. We are left with a bitter older son who has pointed out how responsible he has been, how irresponsible his brother has been, and how unfair it is that the younger brother gets the party. If the truth be known, most of Jesus' followers probably sided with the older brother, and my guess is that many of us do too. Even those of us who have some compassion for the younger son are perhaps left thinking that Jesus' generosity doesn't pay enough attention to who actually deserves what that in his rush to show generosity and compassion to the prodigal son, he has overlooked the stalwart son. He has taken the older son for granted. Now, Jesus' parables grab our attention sometimes, very often they irritate us, just like they irritated those who heard them the first time. And then a but comes in. Jesus is always saying, but, take a closer look. He is always saying, but, you haven't yet seen the whole story. And this morning when we take a closer look at this story, we find some surprising revelations. Let's look at the beginning. 
the very beginning of the story. The beginning is easy to pass over. It seems merely to be setting the scene. The younger brother asks for his inheritance early and surprisingly the father grants his wish, right? Well, almost right. The father explicitly actually divides the property between the two boys. The father, still a young man as far as we can tell, hands over his property long before his death, and not just to the younger son, but to the older son too. The father divides his property between them, the text says. But it's even more interesting than that because the Greek words behind the English translation are filled with more meaning than the English conveys. The two Greek words, usia and bios, are both translated as property, but usia much, means much more something like being or substance or existence, and bios is the standard word for life. And so a more literal rendering would be the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of your existence, your being, your substance that will belong to me. And so he divided his life between them. And a few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his existence in dissolute living. The father prematurely divides his very existence between his two sons. In a real sense, the sons ask to have their father's life, and the father unflinchingly gives up his life to them. The parable wants to suggest that the two sons took their father's life, and it's beginning to sound a lot like Good Friday, isn't it? And so from the very beginning, the older son is not as clean as he looks. The younger sin, uh, son's sins are obvious. The younger son's sins are blatant in asking for the father's being. The younger son's dissolute living leaves no room for misunderstanding. He has squandered and wasted everything. But the older son's sins are more Restrain. They are sins of omission. When the property, or better, his father's very being and life is to be divided, he raises no objection. He simply takes his half without comment. Indeed, the older son, in all likelihood, believes that he is getting only what he deserves. He stays home. He tends the crops and works the fields. He is responsible, he makes the farm produce, and all along the way he is proud of himself for what he has accomplished. He looks out over the expanse of his inheritance and congratulates himself on how good a job he has done. He pats himself on the back and says, look what I have achieved. Now from the very beginning, both sons head down problematic paths. Both of them start from the same beginning point. I deserve my inheritance from my father. And this is the screw that Jesus wants to turn down. Both sons, in a very real sense, believe they deserve what is not theirs. And both of them are perfectly happy to take it. And this brings us to the core then of the parable. Jesus addressed this parable to the upstanding citizens of his day. And they were a lot like the older son. 
They had a certain level of status. They lived upright lives. And most of all, they could not see their self-righteousness for what it was. They could see the sins of those who were like the younger son, the flagrant sinners. They could point their fingers at them and they could say that people like the younger son deserve nothing for they are depraved. But we, they say, we who have been blameless and conscientious, most certainly we deserve everything we have, everything we have accomplished by our own hands. And in the end, we have two sons who wanted to have life, who believe they deserve life and demanded life of their father. Paul Nectarlin says the prodigal son's strategy is to take the blessing of life from his father and spend it on himself. Unfortunately, it leads to death. The older son's strategy is to take the blessing of life from his father for granted and hoard it for himself. And there is a great irony here, for the older son accuses his father of taking him for granted when it is really the other way around. The strategy of taking the gift of life for granted, presuming he has earned it, comes with a much higher quotient of self-delusion. It's much harder to see, much harder to grasp how deadly it is. The older son can always point his finger and avoid seeing his own brokenness and death. The older son stands outside the party filled with resentment. He remains disconnected from the source of life. The younger son is ultimately brought so low that he cannot mistake the path he has chosen for the path of life. He comes home broken, repentant, and undiluted about his life. But the parable ends with a question mark about the older brother. His father says to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. The older son, remains a question mark. Will he come to grasp that taking what he has taken for granted, as though he has deserved it and accomplished it on his own, has actually obscured his vision? Will he come to realize that in truth he stands naked before God? Will he come to understand that he owes what he has to God's boundless generosity? If he does, we can be sure that the party streamers will fly and there will be a feast of grand proportions. And God will say of him also, we must rejoice for this son of mine was dead and is now alive, was lost and is now found. Amen. <laughs>